Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Teaching Tactics Podcast. I'm Chris Bean and I'm joined by Chris Kent. Mr. Kent? Hello, sir. Today, we're going to be talking about praising our students. Praise is a powerful tool if used correctly. You can build up your students, you can motivate them, you can even get the students who are not at the top of the class to perform better. Mr. Kent, do you think there's such a thing as too much praise? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And and how so? How do you mean? If we're only praising someone and never giving them any sort of correction or criticism as to how to improve themselves, then number one, they're not developing an accurate picture of their capabilities. And also, um, we are teaching them that they can do no wrong. So no matter what happens or no matter how they do something, then it's always going to be correct. And what we want to avoid is developing a army of people with big heads that think they are the best and they know all the answers um, because humility is a, a large part of martial arts. Um, and if we don't have those moments of correction and constructive criticism and feedback, then uh, I think we're doing a disservice to our students and not actually making them good martial artists. We're just making them feel good and feel as if they are a good martial artist. Which feeling good is a part of it, but I, I fully understand and agree. You don't want to over praise or praise for ingenuine or unjust reasons. And, you know, when we praise our students, there's only so many times we can say the phrase good job while in class. So coming up with a, a huge number of other ways to say good job besides good job is definitely part of our job. And, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but linking in the team members and having them come up and help to create ways to say good job or congratulations or wonderful or outstanding or extraordinary. Wow, that was amazing. All those different things and linking in your team members to help come up with those will be a big part of praising and how we praise and the verbiage and terminology that we use when we praise our students. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny if you think you know, how many times can you actually say the phrase good job in a class and it still seem genuine? Because you can mean it every single time. Someone does a good job and, and they're doing a good technique, their effort is high, their their behavior is good, whatever the case may be. If you just say good job every single time, after the fourth or fifth time, it's going to seem disingenuine. Even if you use the voice inflection, even if you use good eye contact or an appropriate physical touch, however you deliver that, there's only so many times you can say good job and it seems like you actually mean it. So, you know, that's one of a, a, the great challenges as a martial arts instructor is to find different ways to say good job instead of just saying the two words, good job, to your point, you know, wonderful, way to go, all those sort of things are ways to say the same thing, but have it not seem as if you are just repeating the same phrase over and over and over again. And we really have to catch ourselves because sometimes we say those words such as awesome as a time filler to fill in the blank instead of saying um uh 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 you say awesome and then you move to the next thing i can remember working with a instructor in the course of a 15 minute lesson said awesome seven times every time there was dead space he said awesome and then there is dead space awesome okay let's do this awesome okay let's and to your point the 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 uh, the phrase or the word awesome lost all meaning 
by the end of that lesson because in 15 minutes he said it seven times and I can remember pulling him to the side afterwards and I, I was over overhearing him use that and I came in you know a few minutes into the lesson and I counted seven times he said it, and I asked them you know how, how many times did you say awesome in that lesson and of course he had, he had no idea and I told him seven the look on his face was wow, okay, I probably need to be doing something different besides that. And I told him that he was using that to fill space. Anytime there was a break, anytime there was a stop in the words, anytime there was air or space to be filled, he filled it with the word awesome. And so as instructors, we have to make sure we don't fall back on that. We need to, if there's dead space, then let there be dead space. Sometimes dead space is there for a purpose. Sometimes you want that dead space to make sure that your students can feel the way that you feel. If it's happy, excited, or disappointed, you want that dead space to be there so that they can have the ability or have the time to feel and sense the way that you feel in that moment. And so filling the dead space with the term awesome or whatever other phrase you might use will cause that what should be a praise awesome good job and and take that away from that and so just be careful with that as well silence can be in itself a an effective tool in communicating meaning if i'm speaking and i'm saying a sentence and i'm going really fast and i'm saying lots of words and i'm doing all this stuff and all of a sudden i stop immediately you're sitting there waiting for my next word you're hanging on waiting for me to say something so even when there are even if even if there is dead space it doesn't mean it's bad because you can use that to your advantage and like i said build up to a point or catch someone's attention or just slow down what's going on and and uh, try to regain everyone's attention on top of that too just talking about using the same phrases over and over and over again that transcends your praise uh, i can tell you Personally, when I'm teaching, I, it's important for me to get the feedback from students. So we'll stop and I'll say something, you know, your hand chamber's here. Does that make sense? And they respond, yes, sir. I was like, okay, then you put your hand here. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. And every, after every single thing I say, I'm asking if it makes sense. And I'm getting the feedback that I wanted, but it's like I can't finish a sentence without saying, does that make sense? So again, while that, that can be a useful tool, if you overuse it, it loses its meaning and loses its effectiveness. So on top of the praises that we give and being able to vary those, anything that we say, should or shouldn't be too much of it. There should be a nice balance between those things. That way they don't lose their usefulness or their power as we are, are speaking. And uh, along with a dead silence, something I, I've, I've picked up on and used to my advantage, whether it's intentional or not, but Sometimes if you if you stutter and you start a sentence over again, it's like it's again one of those those tools that you can use to help draw someone's attention or give yourself a little bit of pause to make sure your sentence sounds good because you never want to start something without knowing what you're gonna say. So having that little bit of, of, of stutter may seem like you just couldn't remember what to say, but you can use that again to your advantage to collect your thoughts, gain their attention, and keep them focused on what you're trying to say. That's right. As far as praising goes, for our students, you have to make sure that you are praising them, and you have to let them know when they're performing well 
and sometimes when they're not performing well, but when they're performing well, so that they know they're performing well, and then they'll continue to perform well. They need that as their motivation. So that praise is a tool to help motivate your students to continue to perform well. Yeah, praise is used as a method of building up a student's confidence, while at the same time, we can then use that to reinforce proper behavior or correct improper behavior. And uh, students who are praised on a regular basis are more often to accept corrections and more often um, more often willing to listen to what you have to say. Of course, we talked about the other end of that where it's all you're doing is praising them and that's that can be a detriment or can be a danger. But if you're regularly praising someone for legitimately good reasons, um, they're going to be more willing to accept your correction a whole lot easier than someone who maybe you don't praise as much. Yeah. As instructors, we tend to be always on the lookout for mistakes. There's a mistake. You messed up there. That was wrong. This is wrong. This and that. And if you get in that habit of only looking for mistakes and only pointing out mistakes, then the students will start to make mistakes so they can have that attention because they really humans by default we crave attention and so any type of attention whether good or bad sometimes is the type of attention that you know if that's the only thing that's on the table then we'll make mistakes just so that we can have the instructor say hey actually it's this way oh okay yes sir great and so as instructors we need to be aware of that if we're only pointing out mistakes that the students will start to make mistakes just so they can get some kind of recognition Absolutely. And I notice this most prevalently in most prevalently in junior instructors, assistant instructors, or instructors who are just starting out their training. You know, they're standing on the side of the line watching the class, looking for those mistakes, and they catch one and they're like, Oh, do this, fix this mistake, you did this wrong, blah, blah, whatever. And inside, I know because I've been there, you feel good. You're like, oh, I caught something. I did my job. Awesome. And then you want to chase that by finding every little small mistake that you can and making all the corrections you can make at once. And it feels good because you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're catching the mistakes and fixing them and you're being a good instructor, which is important, but equally as important or even more important is to recognize and give credit to the people that are doing things correctly and acknowledging the correct things that they do and, and praising them for that and building them up because to your point, we don't want to just be constantly pointing out corrections and not encouraging the good things. We want to make sure that we are also praising what's done well and and offering more than just one way of communication or one way of attention and that attention being a negative thing. We want to offer the positive attention as well. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more. How can we turn a student's mistake into an opportunity to improve not only just that student but the entire class so let, let's let's set the set up this uh this scenario so we're teaching class and we notice that jacob is not sitting correctly in line we have a couple choices we can address jacob directly and say hey jacob i need you to cross your legs put your hands and knees back straight does that make sense yes sir okay great and jacob's fine in that one instance i saw the mistake i pointed that out i gave him an opportunity to fix it he fixed it okay we moved on Another approach to that is we can look at Jeremiah, who's sitting right in front of Jacob, and Jeremiah is sitting phenomenal. He's got his legs crossed, hands on his back, back is, or sorry, hands on his knees, back is nice and straight, he's sitting correctly, he's sitting awesome. If 
we tell Jeremiah, hey, Jeremiah, dude, that is amazing. You're sitting with your legs crossed, your hands are on your knees, your eyes are looking forward. Awesome job. Give me five, man. That will have such an impact, not just on Jeremiah and the, the motivation and the confidence boost that that gave him, but as soon as you praise that one person for doing what everybody should be doing anyways, you will see a trickle effect on everybody around. They immediately, boom, they sit, they sit up, their legs are crossed, hands are on their knees, everybody else is doing all those things that you praised Jacob for. Now everybody else is doing it. Everybody that could hear it, they're doing it because they also want that praise. And so in that scenario, we praise Jeremiah because he sat correctly. And Jacob, by default, he fixed the sitting position because, oh, yeah, I want, he wants to get praised too, just like everybody else. And that's an okay place to leave it. But I think there's a, another, step, another step that you can take, and as instructors, I think we should take, and that's to correct Jacob as well. So I think there's another step that we can take to make this be a little bit better. When we praise Jeremiah for sitting correctly, Jacob fixed his sitting position. And I think to reinforce Jacob doing that correctly, he needs to be praised. But unfortunately, I can't praise him exactly immediately when he fixes his position because I want him to do it on his own, not because I just praise somebody for doing it. So as the class goes, two minutes probably at max, I would say, I see Jacob has another opportunity to sit correctly, and he did it. And I stop what I'm doing. I walk over, hey, Jacob, dude, that is awesome. You're sitting with your legs crossed, your hands are on your knees. That is amazing. Good job. Give him a five, then I walk back and I do what I'm doing. And again, I have that trickle effect where everybody else around him then sits correctly so they can earn that praise as well. If I just left it alone, Jacob would sit correctly for a little bit, waiting for the praise, waiting for the praise, waiting. and then if I don't give it, He's going to fall back in his old habits and sitting incorrectly. And again, yes, I can slam the hammer. Jacob, sit correctly. Come on. I just told you this already, man. Or I can take the approach again, praise Jonathan for sitting correctly, and then continue down that path. But I have to go back and praise Jacob, the person who originally was not sitting correctly. When he has an opportunity to sit correctly, I need to point that out so that he knows, oh yeah, right, I, I, now I'm doing this correctly, awesome. And, and the, the instructor told me I, I, did, I did, was doing it correctly and, and, and that feels so good for me. That's, that's the kind of things that at least I imagine go through Jacob's head. I think of this as a martial arts instructor's sneak attack or a, a, you know, a double-sided, double-edged sword, if you will, in the sense that like you had said, you can take the very direct, blunt approach and say, hey, Jacob, stop messing around, sit up, cross your legs, pay attention. That gets the job done. But that might start to stir within Jacob a little bit of resentment or disappointment or anger or whatever you want to want to think about it. That's not going to leave Jacob with the best taste in his mouth. He's going to do what you say because you asked him to and he's in his karate class and he has to listen for all of those certain reasons, but that's not necessarily the, the reason we want him to do that. And like you said, you want him to make that correction on his own. So when you take that indirect approach at sneak attack and you compliment Jeremiah, number one, you're building Jeremiah up for sitting well, but then everyone else around starts to notice and you don't have to tell them, Hey, I want you to also sit like Jeremiah. 
like you said, they noticed the praise that you gave Jeremiah. They're going to want that praise. So they're going to adjust themselves and sit up and do what they're supposed to do. And then you come back later and you praise them as well and say, hey, nice sitting position. You really improved that. Great job. Good work. And following up on that, you know, it, it removes the negative correction while still achieving the same result. Um, the downside to that, I think, is sometimes you have kids, sometimes you have students who just straight up aren't paying attention. So, when, you know, Jacob's sitting there, he's lounging on the floor. Jeremiah is sitting correctly with his, his good discipline and controlling his body. You can say in front of everybody, hey, Jeremiah, great job, man. Give me five. I like the way you're sitting. Jacob's off in his own world. Jacob has no idea what's going on. That's not always the case, but you, there are people who are like that where sometimes you have to take the direct approach and say, hey, Jacob, you need to sit up and cross your legs, you know? But if we can find room or make that sneak attack work, it gives us tenfold the benefit as the direct disciplinary approach to it. Um, and I think it's it's something you'll learn over time and, and as you get to know your students personally, how they react in certain situations and, and uh, how best to reach them with those corrections and praises and uh, anything, just communicating to them is going to come with time as well. And I like that we're talking about this because I used this last night in the classes we were teaching. We had a student who had uh, been injured and she had been out for a few weeks. She came back into class and her stances were incredible. They looked awesome. And she's in class with, you know, seven other students who have, haven't missed a day. They've been there pretty consistently and their stances just don't look as good as hers. And who knows, it's because she was gone, she came back and she was just really fired up and ready to go to class or she felt like she had to prove something. But whatever it was, she was doing great. So as you were leading the class, when there's a little bit of downtime in between moves, I made sure I praised her and said, hey, that's an awesome stance. You're doing a great job. And you could see everyone around her fix their stance. You know, The problem then is that they wouldn't keep their stance. They did it for like a second and they're like, uh, okay, I don't do this anymore. But that's where that reinforcement comes in. They fix their stance and then you praise them for that and it makes them feel better and they want to keep earning that praise. Um, so there's definitely nuances to it, but it is an effective tool we can use to um, sidestep the direct correction, but then also reap the benefits of the praise and uh, uh, and achieve the same result as making a correction. Yeah, and speaking of correction, as you are trying to correct somebody, you can take the same direct approach, meaning you can say, hey, John, that was, you did that wrong. You got to do this instead. Okay, thanks. Yep. And then you move on. Or you can utilize this same mindset in the correction, meaning you give him a praise. Hey, in that situation, hey, awesome stance, very nice. But if we tweak your hand position just a little bit, that low block is going to be so much better. Do you want a stronger low block? Yes, sir. So you make that correction and then you wait for that to happen, for that correction to get made. And then you say, wow, that was awesome. You put your hand right in the right spot. And so using a praise, correct praise type of mindset is a great way to carry that same philosophy, that same mindset over into the correction phase. Of course, people are going to have to get corrected. That's, that's, that is part of our job, but using the praise to begin with. Now, sometimes the hard part of praise, correct praise is coming up or finding something that this student is doing correctly. And so, you know, they're in class and you know this person, they, have a, they struggle learning the information. 
you've tried all, uh, to all of the tools in your toolbox to try to, to help them learn the information. It's just whatever you're doing is not working. Then when it comes time to correct them, you are already in the mindset, man, this, I can't, why I can't get through to this person. Why just, just fix this. Come on. Just, just, we've talked about this already. Just do it this way. And then you move on. Finding even the smallest thing. Hey, listen, I am so appreciative that you came to class today. That, I, I, that's about as easy or basic as a praise as you can give. Hey, you made it, you made it here. You were five minutes late. And, you know, you forgot your belt, but your body is in class and you're ready to do something. Good job on that. Maybe you leave the other part out. But just to give some context, having a praise to start with will put the student into a far better mindset to accept that correction. And then, of course, once that correction is made, then you praise them for making that correction. And again, finding just the smallest thing sometimes to initiate the praise often from time to time is something that you, you will have to do. Hey, you have your belt tied so well today. It is nice and tight. I don't think that thing's going to fall off ever. Who tied that? Mom tied that? Man, she's got some strong muscles. Good job. All right. So for our front stance, we need to make sure we have that front knee bent, back leg is straight. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. All right. So we tweak this. Okay. Yep. Oh, perfect. That is awesome. Nice. Give me five. Boom. And then you have that praise, correct praise, meaning you set the student up for success by giving them something they did well, even if it was as small as their belt was tied correctly. And then you gave them the correction that was needed to, to fix whatever the technique is that you're doing. And then you praise them for making that correction. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a reason that praise is what happens twice in that three-step process and why it's so important. If I see something that you're doing wrong, it's super simple. To walk up to you and make a correction and walk away. But like you said, if I can find something first to praise you about, just a basic fundamental thing, you know, it could be your 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 hand position when you're doing a technique, your your chamber before the technique, it could be your body posture, the way you're standing, it could be your focus, your eye contact. Those are all simple things that are can be messed up, but more often than not are pretty simple to do and, and don't get messed up um uh, consistently but that's that small praise hey i love where your hand position is and if you move your front leg over your stance is going to be better oh great that stance looks awesome nice job again the reason the praise is in there twice is because that's the important part of that correction and you have to make sure that it's on both sides because i can praise you hey your hand's in a great position okay now move your foot over and your stance will be better and then I never praise you again for making that correction. In your head, you might be thinking, okay, this is how you need to do it. But there's no reinforcement to that. There's no follow-up as to notice, hey, I, I see that you corrected that. Nice work. Keep doing that. So the praise has to be on both ends. The praise first of something basic, something fundamental, make a correction, and then praise them again for fixing that correction. Um, that is the most constructive way that you can, and can give praise and make a correction without simply tearing down that student. And so what I think I hear you saying is to properly correct a student, you have to give them a praise sandwich. 
I think it'd be a correction sandwich. A correction sandwich with praise on both sides. With with, with praise on both sides as, yes, the, as the bread. Great. That's that's a good analogy. <laughs> I think another another facet of praise is making sure that we are stressing and praising the little things and being on the lookout for those little things. Um, personally, I I I think it's again one of those martial arts sneak attacks or side not side steps but kind of sneaky ways to get get those praises in and looking for the small things. For example, if I see someone picking up a piece of trash on the floor that they didn't leave there, but they saw it and they cared enough to pick it up and throw it away. Or, you know, the the bathroom is a little messy. There's toilet paper on the floor. There's, there's paper towels everywhere. The, 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 the mirror is dirty. If I notice that someone happened to clean that, whether it be a student or a staff member, I will tell them, hey, thank you for doing that. Good job. Or, you know, even in a regular class, I have someone I'm working with and a staff member who's leading a drill or something and nothing spectacular happened, not not to their detriment, but it's just, it just a run-of-the-mill drill. Everything went normally. Everything was okay. And if I take the time to say, hey, you did a good job running that drill. Thanks for doing that. There's nothing spectacular about what happened, but I made that connection. I gave that praise. And of course, you want to be genuine. If the drill wasn't just run of the mill and it was terrible and it bombed. I want to say, Hey, I like how loud you were leading that drill. Now moving forward, if we do this, this, and this, that might help it run better. And the next time you happen to run that drill the next day or whatever, they make the correction. You say, Hey, good job. You were loud. And you did the thing we talked about. And I think it went even better. What do you think? Giving their feedback and stuff like that. But don't be afraid to praise the little things and stress those little things because there has to be something fundamental and basic that we can, we can praise to build our students and our staff members up. Um, you know, how, 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 how good do you feel when you walk in after you get a new haircut and someone says, Hey, nice haircut, man. Like, Oh, thanks. Thanks. Like, thanks for noticing. You didn't even have to tell me that you liked it. You just say, Oh, you got a haircut. I would still say, Oh, thanks for noticing. I don't care if you like it or not. I can't change it. But you notice I got a haircut. Awesome. Or, Hey, I like your shirt today. Or I'm, I, I'm glad you're on time. Thanks for being here. Um, which brings me to another point too. If someone does show up late, I've gone through many phases with this. You know, it's very easy. Someone shows up late. They walk in the door. You stay a lot of them. Hey, get in class. You're late. Hurry up. Get your shoes off. Check in. Get in here. Bow. Put your belt on. Blah, blah, Because you want them to get in class. You want them to be on time. And as important as timeliness and showing up when you need to be somewhere and all those things are, I also want everyone to feel welcome. So depend on, depending on the situation and if it's not a chronic issue, I've started to lean more towards, you know, kid walks in late. Hey, man, good to see you. Get your shoes off. Come on in. Do I want them to be on time? Do I want them to be early? Absolutely. But I'm not going to chew them out as they walk in the door. I don't know what happened. Maybe they got yelled at on the way out the door or mom was on the phone and having a fight with somebody in the car on the way there. There's a train or, you know, they had to go back and get their belt because they forgot or whatever. I, I don't know what happened. So the last thing I want to do is have them walk into class and barrage them with another another layer of 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 bad you know so again if it's not a chronic issue or if it's not a big problem i'm just gonna pass over it in fact i'm even gonna say hey i'm glad you're here or they say oh i'm sorry i'm late it's like it's okay you made it here that's fine whatever ideally in the perfect world everyone's on time and that doesn't happen but this isn't a perfect world and it's going to happen so that's not always the case but i i've tried to lean more toward even praising in those situations, finding something small to praise, you know, 
kid shows up five minutes late, but their uniform looks great. I say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, hey, it's okay. You look really good today. Come on in. I'm like, hey, I'm just glad you made it. I hope school is okay. How's your day going? Blah, blah, blah. Because we don't know what's happening. And again, I don't want to add another level of bad to that. Um, so again, that ties into praising the little things, stressing the little things too, not just something big. They don't have to outperform everybody else or or do a, a fantastic job um, just to get praise from somebody. Like as simple as, you know, like your shoes, cool shoes. Maybe I don't like them or not, whatever. But just something I can praise, something I can I can try to brighten their day with because I think at the end of the day, we want to be, you want to be a place that people feel safe and people are happy to come to. And if we're always tearing them down or making them feel bad for stuff they might already feel bad about, then I think we're missing the point. Yeah, I firmly agree, especially on, on on the coming late to class, because especially if you're if you're working with with kids of any age, if they're late, it might be their fault, but also might be the parents' fault not allowing enough time to get their kid ready. Or I, I don't I don't know any seven year olds who can drive cars yet. Well, not only that, not, not legally, anyways. Not only that, but at seven years old. The kid doesn't have any idea of what time it is or his agenda for the day. He, he knows perhaps karate is today, but that's about it. He can't tell you, you know, oh, hey, I got karate in five minutes. Mom, we should be leaving. That's that's until the parents can take ownership of that for their kids. Yeah, the parent needs to have a little bit of, of discipline instilled in the child to help with this. But... Really, that's a parent issue, if, especially if it happens frequently. And then, hey, listen, we need to make sure, you know, you have that talk with the parent. Oh, hey, we, listen, we need to make sure Johnny is, is, is here a little bit earlier for classes. He's been late a couple times, and I don't want him to miss anything. Well, it's because Johnny, da, da, da. okay, well, can we just start getting him ready, you know, maybe a little bit earlier so that we, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Right? And, and that, that's all, that's all it takes. Just to have that opportunity to, to tell mom, hey, you know, I, I see you guys are late all the time. Oh, yeah, it's because he can't do it. And, and they're telling you all the things that, that you know, all, all the reasons why it's their kid's fault. It's not their kid's fault. It's the parent's fault because they need to have an opportunity to give them more time to get ready. Hey, could you start getting ready five minutes earlier? Oh, yeah, I guess we could do that. Yeah, okay. Well, if it takes John 10 minutes to get ready and you only give him five minutes to get ready, you're going to be late. So plan accordingly and add five minutes to your getting ready time, and then you can leave on time and be here. I've had that happen a couple times, and the parents, the parents are like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess we could just get ready a little earlier." Yeah, right. And and me on the inside, I'm thinking, "Yeah, you, right. You done you had this. You had John late for class eight times this this week." Okay, not eight times this week, but, you know, eight times, just, you know, you see this is a consistent issue, just get ready a little earlier. Oh, yeah, we could do that. That's a great example of, you know, the benefits that martial arts can bring. I think that's just a common sense thing that may not be apparent to everyone at all times. We've all been in that position too, but, uh, you know, on the smallest level, oh, yeah, for martial arts, I learned to be timely or I learned to give myself extra time, whatever it is, and whether that be the seven-year-old student you're talking to or their parent who just didn't have the wherewithal to think, oh, yeah, if I get ready a few minutes earlier and leave a few minutes earlier, I might I might not be late. You know, it's just another benefit of martial arts that we can try to instill or, 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 or add to other people's lives as well. And sometimes it takes that outside person 
to give that outside perspective. Hey, could you just do this? Oh yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, we definitely could just do that. That would that would make life a whole bunch easier. Then I'm not yelling, you know, as the parent. Then they're not yelling at Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Are we gonna be late? Come on, man. You you should be ready. Why? How come you're not ready yet? Oh, well, I just give him five more minutes to get ready. Hey, John, let's get ready for karate. Okay, all right. And then he thinks he's in a rush and he gets ready. And then okay, well, yeah, let's let's go out to the car now. You know, you you got time on your side. And if it if you need to adjust it by seven minutes, adjust it by seven minutes or whatever it is. But sometimes having that outside perspective, having that outside person tell you, hey, maybe try this. And we have to be careful how we deliver that to the parent. Because we can deliver that in a way that makes it seem like they are the ones who's mess- who is messing up. And even though it is them, their, their fault that the kid's late, if we deliver it in such a way, hey, listen, uh, you need to get ready earlier. You need to do this and you need to do that. That will put them on the defense and, and that, that will never be good. But if you present that as an option, Hey, you know, could, could you just get ready a few minutes earlier? Oh yeah. And so just be tactful with how you deliver that to the parent. And I think that will, will help that situation. Absolutely. And it's important as much as it is not to bear down on people who are consistently late. We can't roll over for them either. If they're consistently late and there's no repercussions or no consequence for it, then they're going to start to think that, oh, it's okay if I'm late. It's fine. No one cares if I'm late. I can be late whenever I want. It's not important for me to be here on time, which just isn't the case. It's a delicate situation. You have to traverse and and understand the ins and outs of it, but ins and outs of it. Um, but also, you know, have some grace on both sides. Yeah, you were late today. Okay. You were late one time this whole quarter. It happens, whatever. If you've been late the last six classes, okay, listen, that's when you sit down and talk to someone, hey, you guys have been late, maybe try to leave earlier, address that situation. But, you know, kids late one time, it's not like, hey, you're done, get out of here, you're late to one class. And now the time we're in, um, we're back in school and school bus routes can be very frustrating and getting people home and changed and ready to come to karate on time or even straight coming from school to get here for karate on time is just not feasible. So again, you need to have grace for that. You need to understand, you know, hey, this person's going to be late. They're going to miss five minutes of the warm-up. Do I want them to be there? Yes. But in totality, it's five minutes of a warm-up. They're going to get a workout during class anyways. They're not missing important instructional material. We're going to have to deal with it during the school time, you know, and just being able to work around some of those things too is very important and not being so dogmatic about, oh, it's... 415 and you're not here can't come in sorry try again next time you're going to lose that student you're not going to have that person anymore i i do think you, you said the time and that that's kind of what brought this to my, to my attention is on testing days being on time is paramount and for us if you come in after we've started the test and so let me let me set up the protocol for us we start the test when our clock says it's time to start. We start. And by starting, I mean, we close the door to the training floor. And if you're on the outside of that door, you don't come in. And if you're on the inside of the door, you stay in, you get the test. And if you come in and you are 30 seconds late, we've, we've, we're bowing in, we're starting the test. You, 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 you're not allowed to come into that test. And the reason I think that is such an, a, the reason I think that's such a important aspect is it is because it teaches that there are 
times, there are opportunities, there are events that you have to show up to and you have to be on time. Now, in our classes, a month out from testing, we are telling everybody and their parent, anybody that's here listening, hey, listen, we're going to be testing on this day. It starts at this time. If you're late, you cannot come into the test. You have to be early on that day because once the test starts, you cannot come in late. And we tell them that over and over and over again for a solid month. And then we have testing. And I can't tell you how many times people come in late and their parents are, are, are pleading, but, but he's five years old. Okay, yeah, that means it was your, I, I don't tell them this, but okay, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that means it was your fault that he was late. I'm sorry, but there was a train. Okay, well, as the parent, you need to realize that sometimes there's trains, sometimes there's car accidents. I'm, I'm sorry that he can't come in the testing, but you have to hold the line on that. And even though in those instances, I'm sure the parents don't uh, like the outcome. In those situations, I think it is a good teaching moment for the parent and for the child, because if it can be done tactful, that is an opportunity for you, the instructor, to share the discipline across the parent and the student or share the ownership of that across the parent and the student. Of course, the parent in, in, in some situations will blame you. Well, it's, it's Mr. Bean's fault. He said, you can't come in the testing because whatever. And in those situations, I, okay, that's fine. I'll take that. That's my fault. And, and then we move on. But if you can use that as a opportunity to share the ownership, listen, Hey, this is when testing starts. It's very important that you're here early because if you miss part of the test, you can't test. You can't get your belt because I didn't watch you do the information. And I can't have you pass and get your belt when everybody else was here on time like they were supposed to. And everybody else did all of the things they were supposed to. And you only did half of them because you came in late. That's not fair to everybody else. And so sometimes putting that into perspective for the, for the student and for the parent is, is important. They still don't always like the situation, but, but again, I think that's a firm stand your ground and hold the line for that situation. Yeah. Getting back to praise, speaking of the praise, correct praise method. I think one thing I've adopted myself and I've learned from our instructor, Mr. Brummett was, uh, using and phrases and not, but phrases, B U T not your, your rear end as you would say as well, but, and phrases and not but statements. And let me set up a scenario in the sense that let's say, Mr. Bean, you are an artist and you craft this fantastic, amazing painting, this beautiful masterpiece. And you bring it to me, me not being an artist, me being a martial arts instructor. I look at that painting and say, oh, this is a great painting. But if you use this color here instead of this color, I think it would look better. Now, I might be right as a martial artist, but as soon as you hear me say, but you're automatically triggered. You're on the defensive. You're like, what is this guy talking about? What does he mean? But this is the beautiful painting. I did an awesome job. What if I were to say, hey, I think it looks great. And if this is a different color, I might like it better. You still might be a defensive about that, but it's not as off-putting as the but in that, in that sentence. So, you know, let's say someone's doing a move and I say, all right, let's do a left side punch. And then 
kid does a right side punch. I would say, awesome punch. And if you do it on the other side, it would be even better. Like, oh, okay. They switch sides. None of that was attacking their technique. I complimented their technique. I praised their technique. I still made the correction as opposed to, oh yeah, good technique, but I want you to do it on the other side. Try again. Totally different phrase to, or totally different tonality, different connotation to that. So using the, the and phrases rather than the but phrases, I think totally transforms those times when you're trying to correct somebody. And of course that wants to be sandwiched by the praise on both sides as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with that. Yep. And as we talked about already, um, be careful not to give too much praise. Uh, you want to be genuine with your praises. So when you are giving a praise, make sure it's something you actually mean and don't just praise someone because you have to praise them. If they didn't do a good job, they didn't do a good job. Find something else to praise, make the correction, and then praise the thing needs to be corrected. Thinking more of how we interact with our staff, I think it's important, especially on the teaching floor, when we are in front of our students, we want to be sure that we are not constantly correcting or tearing down our instructors on the floor. While there may be cause or necessity to make a correction, everyone's going to see that happen. They're going to see Mr. Kent tell another instructor, hey, you did that wrong, do it this way instead. I don't think that's the time and place for that. So the simple rule of thumb is to correct someone in private and praise them in public. That's not always possible with our students, but looking at it from a staff perspective, unless it's completely detrimental and totally wrong, someone might get hurt or it's going to screw up their development forever uh, in their technique and technique-wise, um, maybe the time for that correction is after the class. You pull them aside and said, hey, good job leading this drill. You you made eye contact with all the students and really connected with them. Next time, if we do this instead and we make this change, I think it might be even better for you moving forward. And then that correction is made. Next time they come around to it, things are good to go. And you didn't tear down that person in front of everybody else, but you still made the correction and you're able to do that in private. That way, if they took it the wrong way or um, whatever you had to say was, they're really sensitive to whatever you had to say, it wasn't done in front of everybody else. It was done in private and the two of you were there. You know, it might be a little tense, but it's going to save them a lot of embarrassment potentially and a lot of negative um, attention from their students that isn't necessary and can be um, can be a downfall. Yeah, and part of that is if you are consistently correcting your team leaders in front of the students, your students will not respect the leaders as much because they'll say, oh, well, we're probably going to learn this wrong anyways because so-and-so is teaching us. And then they're just waiting for you, the other instructor, to come by and correct them. So taking that correction out of the class. And like you said, sometimes it does need to happen on the floor if somebody's going to get hurt or it's going to it's going to drastically change or cause the student to learn the movement incorrectly, which is somehow going to be in, infixable or unfixable later on. Sure, those situations are going to happen. You can step in and fix those if somebody's going to get hurt or that's going to happen. If you are consistently correcting the team leaders in front of the students, that's going to lower their credibility to the students, and they're not going to want to learn from that person anymore. So you need to be careful about how you traverse that area. Especially in that, in that employee-staff interaction. 
again, a time and place and that for the students is on the floor when we are the instructors teaching them, but one another, we need to work as a unified team. And if I'm constantly tearing you down, like you said, their, their credibility is going to be destroyed and it's not going to help us or them or the students in any way. And that's fighting or going against our student first mindset. That's right. So remember, as our students are progressing through our program, the type of praise they receive will change. In the beginning, praise is a reinforcement tool. This is because as they progress through the ranks, they will start to understand how to learn and will start to learn more efficiently. The praise is less of a tool to develop and correct their technique and more of a motivator and reassurance of their hard work the farther along they are in their training. So a way to put that in different words is when they first start out, praise often and, and, and praise lots. As they progress, still be genuine with your praise and still praise them, but it's more of a, hey, you're doing a good job, keep it up. Not of a, hey, that's right, good work, you can try harder, or hey, you got it, awesome. Uh, it's reinforcing their already positive behavior rather than trying to motivate them and pull out their positive or, 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 or correct behavior. In addition to that, although you may not be praising them every single class, when you do praise them, which of course you need to make sure you are still praising your students, it'll be more impactful because it's not something they hear every class. And so even though you're not praising them every class, when they hear that praise, it'll be so much more impactful for them because it's something they don't get every single time. If you're praising them every class, every class, every class, every class, every class, this is normal. But as you start to peel that away and use praise in a different fashion, then when you praise them for something that genuinely they're doing correctly, it will be so much more meaningful for the student. Yes, sir. I think you're very good at this. When someone gets a, a good praise from you, it's like a golden ticket to the chocolate factory, you know? Everyone stops in class and looks around. They're like, did Mr. Bean just praise them? Not that you're super strict, but we talked before, you're, you're more firm and more concerned about the techniques being done correctly than being everyone's friend. So it is like a nice golden nugget, a little Easter egg when Mr. Bean drops a compliment and everyone stops and, and wonders for a few seconds before returning back and working harder because... They, too, want one of those rare compliments. As we discussed, it's important that you don't use the same phrase over and over again. Don't say, good job, good job, good job, good job. And one way you can make sure that you and your staff are both being creative and um, thinking of new ways to give out praise is you can create what we call a praise phrase list. So you and your team can change up the way you are praising your students, come up with this, this list uh, together, different ways you can you can give praises and motivate your students rather than just saying good job every single time, sounding stale and boring. But sit down, sit down together, develop a list. The nice thing about that is, then you have that list and the the the, the many variations of, of of praises to choose from. But you also came up with it yourselves, so you're going to be more apt to use it, or be more proud, or more likely to reach into that, that toolbox and pull one of those out because you made it yourself. You came up with it. It was your, your plan, your idea. And once you have that praise phrase list, you can use that for postcards. So even though you are praising the student on the floor, if somebody did something particularly well, send them a postcard. It doesn't matter if they're, if they're a, a kid or adult. Everybody likes to hear that they did a good job, especially if you handwrite a postcard send it in the mail, you know, the old snail mail, put a postcard on or put a, put a stamp on it and then send that in the mail, wait a few days. 
the feedback from the students is, is, is amazing for that. And I, I know that they put those on the refrigerator and they stay there for a long time because that means a lot to them. You took the time out of your day to handwrite Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, you were sitting amazing in class. Thanks for being the example for everybody else. Keep it up. And then you sign your name and you send that out. That is a great way to help to put your praise phrase list into practice. So not only on the teaching floor, but sending out those postcards after the class. And for us, we send those postcards out daily. Everybody on the team sends a post at the end of the night. They write a postcard to somebody that, that did extremely well, somebody that stood out for them through the course of their time on the floor. They take the time, they write them a postcard, they tell them what they did good, and they send that out. So over the course of a testing cycle, just about all of our students, if not every student, gets a postcard. And the way we make sure that nobody gets a double is we print out a list. And as we write them a postcard, we scratch out their name and we can move on to somebody else on the list and make sure that we have that personalized praise that we can give to everybody on the student list. And if that's not something that you're doing now, that's definitely something that will not take very much time to set up and and prepare, but will be so impactful for your students and your, your clients. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That little personalized touch goes a long way. Were we able to uh, dive in and talk a lot about praise today? Is there anything else uh, you'd like to add, Mr. Bean? You know, I think... Praise, like we talked about in the beginning, at the beginning, praise is such a powerful tool if used correctly. You can use it to build up your students, you can motivate your students, and even get the students who are not at the top of the class to perform better. Praise is such an important part of what we do as martial arts instructors. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, we'd love to hear how you guys are working on praising your students. As always, you can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Reddit. On all those platforms, you can find us at martial arts, sorry, at MA Teaching Tactics, MA4 Martial Arts. Again, that's MA Teaching Tactics on all of those social media platforms. And we look forward to uh, hearing back from you guys and getting some new ideas. Until next time, I'm Chris Bean. I'm Chris Kent.